The text I've chosen for the sermon this morning is Luke 17, the verses 5 and 6. And we'll read those verses again. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Beloved in the Lord, after the sermon this morning, Brother Joshua Erickson will publicly profess his faith in the gospel and by baptism be grafted into the congregation here. Commit himself to steadfastly continue in this faith to the very end. And always lead a Christian life and not love the world and its desires. And that's actually what everybody here recommits to with self-examination and taking part in the Lord's Supper this afternoon. To continuing in the Christian faith no matter what, to leading a, a Christian life and to not love the world and its desires. Now that committing and recommitting to the Reformed faith to the end and to living a Christian life and not loving the world, that might seem like a pretty risky promise, commitment to make in this world in which we live as also sinful people. You don't know what lies ahead. Will you really be able to continue in that faith to the very end? Because there can be times when everything that happens seems to contradict that faith. And it could become quite difficult to lead a Christian life in the future at times and not to love the world. That's a, a continual battle, not to love the world and its desires. Serious temptations could come your way, it could be very hard to resist. It always is not an easy thing to continue to walk in this faith, to deny yourself, and so on. The disciples of the Lord Jesus realized that too. They had professed their faith in and their devotion to him, in a certain way had committed themselves to him, because you'll notice that even though it says in 17 verse 1, he said to the disciples, in verse 5, the apostles, it says, apostles, they servants of his in a different way. More emphasis on their commitment to him, to follow him. But when he spoke to them about what was expected of them as believers, they wondered too, will we always be able to do what the Lord requires of us, asks of us? Will we be able to continue to follow him to the end? And that's actually why the request to the Lord Jesus Christ in the text, increase our faith. And with that 
request in mind, let's listen to what the Spirit says in the text for this morning. And I preach to you with this theme then, the request of the apostles increase our faith. We pay attention to three things. The request itself, Jesus' response to the request, and Jesus' promise along with that. First of all, the request of the apostles increase our faith. You realize, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too, we have to put that request of Jesus' apostles into the context to understand what they were asking him about in the text. Just before the text, the Lord Jesus warned that temptations are sure to come. They will be there. But woe to those through whom they come. It would be better for such a person if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of God's little ones, one of God's children, one of God's people to fall into sin. Pretty serious warning to the disciples, the apostles. Be super watchful not to cause others to sin. For instance, Parents with children. Where, where are you leading your children? How are you influencing your children? But also others in the congregation influencing each other. Could it be that we cause someone to stumble? Are we causing an offense to someone else or, or temptation? It's not easy so to, love, to so love your neighbor that you make sure you're not going to put anything in the way of anyone else to serve the Lord, to love and serve the Lord, to show that in your whole life. You have to be careful about every word you say then, every deed you do before others. And then Jesus comes with an even more difficult aspect of of following him and loving your neighbor then. He also wants his disciples to be super forgiving toward others who sin against them. So you can't sin against others, but not also be forgiving against those who sin against you. He says, even if a brother sins against you seven times on a single day, and you call him to that, and he repents, and expresses that to you, forgive him. Seven times a day. In one week, that would be seven times seven. Every time again, wow. That's going to be really tough slogging for a believer. For any believer. But Jesus says, make sure you don't sin against others. And if others sin against you, be ready and willing and prepared to forgive them. In love, always. When the disciples hear what following Jesus means for your life, they think too, man, you not only have to be careful not to sin against others, but you also have to be mighty forgiving towards others who sin against you, even seven times in a single day. After the second or third time, you'd probably say, well, hey, that's, that's enough now. No more forgiveness, because you're just not learning, are you? You're abusing my forgiveness. See, like those disciples, we'd have a pretty hard time to love our neighbors like Jesus 
wants us to, right? That doesn't come naturally to us. We're conceived and born in sin, more directed to self-love, to love others like that. Well, it's in that context then that the Lord Jesus makes, or that the disciples make that request to the Lord Jesus. They feel they're out of their depths here. How could they ever be the kind of people Jesus wants them to be, to follow him, his disciples? And we can understand that, right? It seems impossible, an impossible calling to follow Jesus if if that's what he wants us to be like. We'd have to change immensely, big time. So it's no wonder that those disciples then ask the Lord Jesus, increase our faith. If we don't get more faith, they reasoned, we'll never be able to come close to what the Lord wants from us. And I think we'd maybe ask the same thing if we were in their sandals. Lord, give me more faith so I can be the kind of person you want me to be so I can love that other person like I should so I don't give that young person bad example that, or, or that I do get over what that other person did to me and can forgive them. So it sounds like a pretty good request. Ask the Lord for more faith. Because after all, he gives faith through his spirit, doesn't he? It comes from him. But here, there's, here comes the problem with the request of the apostles. That request actually implies that the disciples figured the Lord had not given them enough faith to do what he wants of them. He's asking too much. And if he wants them to do what he wants, then he's, he better give them more faith. We only got a small amount of faith from you, Lord, and we can't achieve with that small amount what you're asking of us. And the problem, therefore, isn't with us that we can't do what you want. The problem is with you. You're not giving us enough to do what you want. You're not giving us enough faith. Think about that. Can you imagine, congregation, how that request must have hurt Jesus. That they couldn't see themselves doing what he commanded, that it wasn't their fault, but that it was his fault. Something like what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. He pointed the finger at God. You know, this woman you gave me, not a lot has changed, has it? Because we're so inclined to do the same today. Right? I can't let go of this anger because you put me in this situation, Lord. I can't help it that I can't love that person because you, you haven't given me this forgiving spirit. And this is just too big, Lord. You put this, this is too big on my path. I can't do this. But our Lord suffered that request in silence. And he responded to that demand of his apostles in love. That's how he is. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon. Jesus' response. 
Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, notice how pastoral Jesus is with his response to that request of his disciples. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't respond in anger, rebuke them, say, what a nasty demand. Don't you see you're blaming me for your perceived inability to love your neighbor as I, I require? No, our chief prophet and teacher doesn't react in righteous anger. In his great mercy, he tells his apostles exactly what they need to hear. He says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. I want to pay attention with you to those first words of Jesus' response, which actually say it all. If you have faith as a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is one of the smallest of all seeds. But that tiny little, little wee tiny spot can grow into a large plant, a big shrub, which gives shade and in which birds can even build nests. And the point Jesus makes by using that tiny mustard seed as a picture of faith is that it's not a matter of whether it's big or small as such. But it's a matter of whether you have it all, if you have it at all. And if you do, then even if it's tiny like a mustard seed, it has huge potential because you look at that little mustard seed in your hand and you think it can't be that it's going to grow into a large plant so many feet tall but it's all in that seed that tiny seed which you can hardly see see at all if you sneeze while you're holding it it's gone it has the potential to grow into that large plant so even if you have a tiny faith, you have all you need. A mustard seed just needs the opportunity to grow in order to become a large plant. It has to be planted in the soil, watered, and then everything that is in that little tiny seed will come out. It germinates and it grows into a large plant. And the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching his apostles and all of us, his whole apostolic church here today, also us here this afternoon, this, this morning, that faith is like that seed. It just needs, if it's there, then take, it needs to take the opportunity to grow. And if, if you ask what those opportunities are, well, think of those first four verses of Luke 17. Like the apostles we may not only see causing others to sin or forgiving others seven times a day as huge problems for faith. They're not huge problems. They are opportunities for our faith to be tested to grow. In this life, our Father in Heaven constantly gives us opportunities like that to show the faith, to grow it, the challenges to our faith and commitment will keep coming. Temptations will come. But they are opportunities for faith 
to become what, it, what is in it, to grow. Even faith like a mustard seed then has potential to grow into a large plant. Well, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a big commitment, a huge commitment to say you'll continue in the biblical doctrine to the end and always live a Christian life and not love the world and its desires as you're going to promise today, Brother Erickson. Huge task for us all here as followers of Christ to become more and more like him in faith and life. And in your heart, huge task to change, to become as watchful and forgiving as your life, in your life as the Lord wants you to be. We're all conceived and born in sin. We all have our struggles with that. We, we, have, we all have to confess we do not have, and this comes out of the form for Lord's Supper. We all have to confess that we do not have perfect faith and that we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires, right? Every day we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and the evil desires of our flesh. But brothers and sisters, all those shortcomings in us do not make our calling and commitment impossible for us. The Lord has begun a relationship with us, planted this seed of faith in us, and in that seed, the Holy Spirit has already given us everything we need to grow. And therefore, we can persevere. And therefore, we can keep fighting. And we can keep growing. In giving us faith, He has promised us all we need to persevere and to grow. Like that grain of mustard seed. How can that tiny little seed grow into the large, beautiful, fruit-bearing plant? It has to germinate and grow roots down into the soil to find water and to grow. How can our faith grow and become visible in, in our lives? The roots of our faith need to go deeper and deeper into the word of God, into the gospel of Jesus Christ, into Christ himself, who is the power to salvation. And their faith finds the food it needs to grow. And certainly the Lord has to help us grow and live in faith more and more. But that's also why he calls us to church every Sunday again here. So he can comfort and admonish us out of his word. That's why he instituted the sacraments so we can see, receive the encouragement we need. That's why he brings us together here as his church so that brothers and sisters can support each other in faith. That's why he instituted a church. So all those seeds can grow. That's why he calls us to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to guide us in that growth process too. He wants to deepen that root of faith in him and his power and in his his people, and his word to promote growth in our faith and life of faith. Through those challenges and opportunities. And when faith is rooted in Christ and grows out of him, it has great power. Even if it's just 
small. It has power and potential to do things you never thought possible. And that brings us to the last part of the sermon. Jesus promised along with his reply to his disciples. When Jesus responded to that request of his apostles for more faith, he also added a promise. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. That's a a powerful promise in those words. Apparently, the Lord and his apostles, you know, you can just imagine they were standing there or sitting there, maybe sitting in the shade of a mulberry tree. And a mulberry tree, it, it, it can grow hundreds and hundreds of years, and it grows a very extended and very deep, deep root system. And you can imagine when the Lord Jesus said that, the disciples were looking at that tree. How could a tree like that be rooted up and planted in the sea? Well, that is impossible. Just to say to it, go and be planted in the sea. That would be impossible. And the Lord Jesus didn't mean that having faith means that you can perform huge miracles like that whenever you want. He mentions that to show figuratively, metaphorically, to to confront those disciples with what happens when you have faith and you use the opportunities he gives to root it and grow it. He says, then the impossible becomes possible. Because he's thinking about those apostles conceived and born in sin, all kinds of temptations there for them and they're prone to that. He's thinking of them and he's thinking too, then you can do, he's explaining to them that you can do what nobody could ever do out of themselves as a person conceived and born in sin here. You're able to grow in love for your neighbor so that you care about his or her soul and that you're careful as much as possible not to cause them to be tempted to sin, but to always show the love of Christ to that, your neighbor. And you'll be able more and more to be forgiving toward him or her if they're not loving towards you. even willing and able to forgive them multiple times in a day. You'll find yourself able to persevere in your faith in spite of so many things and situations in the world today which publicly, which want to undermine it. We think of so many things that confront us every day in our country, which is becoming ever more secular. And Brother Erickson, you find the strength to be able to more and more live a Christian life as you resolve today, to do here today at your profession and baptism. Grow in that. That growth is impossible 
impossible without God's grace and power. See that? How, how, would, how would it, is it possible to grow in love? Well, because your faith has an amazing power which the Holy Spirit works in you. True faith, you see, connects to the almighty and eternal God. And it's rooted in Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, overcame, who overcame death. In faith, you follow him then. He, God's son, lived here on earth as one of us. On his path here on earth, there were so many things that could cause him to stumble in his faith and be sidetracked from his purpose. He was tempted by Satan. He was denied by his own disciples. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. He prayed in such agony and Gethsemane that his father might remove that cup of suffering from him that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. Can you imagine the pressure? But for my sake and your sakes, he persevered in faith, continued steadfastly in that faith so that even on the cross, with all the shame and curse associated with that cross, he continued to do his Father's will. Even in the agony of hell, those hours of darkness, forsakenness. Congregation, Jesus Christ was victorious. And he was victorious in faith because he used his faith. It says Hebrews 5, 8, 9, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And that's why congregation in that same letter to the Hebrews chapter 12, he's called the author and finisher of our faith. Through the Holy Spirit, Brother Erickson and all of us are grafted into Christ through the power which he has given us and still wants to give us. We can grow in faith and handle the opportunities he gives us in this life, even in all the temptations of this life, to live out of that faith. It might be just like a, a tiny mustard seed, but it has the potential in the power in itself. And what's impossible for us by nature, just as is it possible in nature for a mulberry tree to root itself up and be planted into the sea, is possible. But through living and growing faith, then that impossible becomes possible. Then more and more, you'll be able to do things and to love in faith. Do things that you never thought you'd ever be able to do. Mulberry trees will start growing for you where no mulberry trees have ever grown before. Amen.